Everyone know Noah? Take a look at Noah. How you doing, Noah? Is everything good? All right, so this big controversy going on about whether or not you should see Noah. So there you go. Uh, so if anyone asks you if you've seen Noah, say, yeah, he's looking good. Right? Settles that one, right? It's always a lot easier than we think it's going to be. So I was watching this um, streaming live conference, uh, this group called Verge. They're a conglomeration of missional churches from around the United States. Um, They're not really a movement per se together, but they're a movement in that they all have the same vision and get together like once or twice a year to share that and and to encourage one another. And somehow I ended up on their live stream list and got to watch the whole conference for three days. And I was pretty interesting. But uh, at one point, one of the speakers was talking about vision, forming vision, getting ideas for vision, and how you work that out. And he, he tells the story of a statement he heard, you know, that you get an idea, you get a plan, and then you get punched in the face. And he explained that in the fight, the title fight between Mike Tyson and Holyfield. And Holyfield was the heavyweight champion of the world. Tyson was the ex-heavyweight champion of the world, trying to regain his title. And uh, Holyfield was doing a number on Tyson, and he came, Tyson said, I came up with a plan in the middle of the fight. I had an idea. I was going to do something. And as he moves in, gets in close under Holyfield's guard, he reaches up and bites his ear off and immediately gets punched in the face. And he says, sometimes you make plans and you just get punched in the face. None of it worked out. And it feels that way sometimes in the kingdom. You know, man makes his plans. And then we get punched in the face because we don't let God orchestrate our steps. I got this idea. This is what I'm going to do. Well, go ahead. (laughs) You know, keep your guard up. I just thought it was humorous, but. Anyways, we are in part two of uh, A Time to Sow. Last week, we began our little mini-series on sowing. We began it because spring has sprung, right? We could be three feet deep in snow after last night, but spring has sprung, so we're just muddy and wet. Preferable to me. Thank you. Uh, we talked about sowing and reaping as a divine principle that always brings a larger return than the investment made. If you remember, we talked about one tomato seed produces multiple tomatoes containing thousands of tomato seeds. That's the return. That's called reciprocity. 
you sow, you don't get, you put in one seed, you don't get one seed back, you get a multitude of seed back. Reciprocity. You get more back than what you put in. Hmm? Seeds can only produce the same fruit that produced the seed. Do you get the importance of that? Translate that into various types of sowing that we do as humans. Words, actions, thoughts, attitudes. Seeds will only bear fruit that will give the seed of the seed sown. The words that you speak. Every time you relate to another individual, you are sowing seeds. The words you speak to them, your posture, your attitude toward them, you know, all of that is seed. And then you start reaping on reciprocity, and you're thinking, man, if God would just fix my wife, I'd be really happy. But do you remember what you sowed into your wife? Do you remember the seed that you put in? Do you wonder why you're getting the fruit of that? I said that in the first service, and Martha said, well, he fixed me. And I said, yeah, and I'm still a mess, so what's up with that? Right? And there's proof, right? See, it isn't her. It's my seed. It's what I'm sowing. I'm getting a return on that. That's the way reciprocity works. Reciprocity has the potential to produce both abundant blessings as well as an abundance of pain and sorrow. All depends on the seed you're sowing. Do you remember our opening scripture last week? Anyone remember it? You pop that up there magically for them. Ta-da. Do not be deceived. Don't kid yourself. Don't fool yourself because God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. We then began to look at the processes of sowing and the seed used in sowing according to the parables of the kingdom that Jesus told in Matthew 13. We discovered that in the parable of the sower, the seed is the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom. And that in the Greek, the word used for word is the word logos. Logos. The logos of the kingdom. That means God's eternal, unchanging word, as well as God expressed in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos, the word, was God. So it is God's eternal spoken word, and it is also God expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. He is God's word to humanity. We also found out that there is another Greek word for word, and that is the word rima, a word spoken that is relevant to the moment, a now word. And that it is, according to Paul, this combination of the word that produces the seed, 
combination of logos and rima, that is the word that produces the seed of the word of the kingdom sown into the heart. And that the seed in the Greek, the word seed in Greek is spiro, spiro. It is a seed sown that produces seed for the sower. So that when the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached and by faith takes root in my heart, that word that Rhema preached becomes the word logos, that is Christ in me, and I immediately have seed in me, my witness, my testimony for sowing into the lives of others. How many of you, when you got saved, felt compelled to tell somebody? Right? You're pretty excited, right? I got saved. Jesus saved me from eternal damnation. He's changing my life. Things are really turning around for me. You see, that is the seed that you received has produced a seed for you to sow. You're planting that into the hearts and minds of other people. It could take root, producing fruit and seed in their lives that will in turn be scattered through the lives that they live. Do you understand that dynamic? The seed bears fruit after its own kind that produces the seed that bears the fruit and on and on and on it goes. And the kingdom of God continually expands. But remember, by delving into the Greek, we find a process of kingdom sowing that is far more revelatory because seed in the Greek uses several different words to convey the creative diversity and reproductive complexity of the process of reciprocity found in the act of sowing. And so returning to Jesus' dialogue in Matthew 13, he tells another parable concerning sowing kingdom seed with a slightly different twist. Matthew 13, 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This parable is so rich in content, so revealing in its ability to unravel some of the mysteries of the functioning of the kingdom of God as it overtakes and engages the kingdom of darkness in this world, that I am extremely grateful that this is one of the parables that Jesus chooses to explain. It is unfortunate that the church, for the most part, has not seemed to have ears to hear what's really being said. Consequently, we may end up 
spending a little more time there than I had originally thought. So let's start by hearing Jesus' explanation of this parable, which I will call the seed and the weed. The seed and the weed. Matthew thirteen thirty six. Then he, that is Jesus, left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. Now, I want want to go back and I want to repeat what he just said. Because this is very, very powerful. So it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin. All causes of sin. And all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. Now, this statement is huge. And I was thinking this morning as, as I made this statement, if I was sitting out there hearing this from someone and it impacted me out there the way it impacted me up here, when I went home this afternoon, I would bury my face in the book of Revelation towards the end of the book and find out what's going on with the lake of fire. Because he just showed us something about the end of the age and about the separation and about not only beings, not only people, but everything that causes sin is going to be destroyed at the end of the age. What is that going to look like? What is that going to do for those who remain? What are the possibilities? If it's going to happen now, then as, as we understand kingdom theology and the now and the not yet, that we can, by, by miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit, bring back those things that will be true at the end of the age into our now moments. That's why healings and miracles take place. It's like we are reaching into the future when there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, and we're dragging it back into our now time by the grace of Jesus Christ and applying it to our lives right now. And I know, I know, I know there are things that cause sin in my life that I would like to cast into a flame and have eradicated from my personality. And this tells me that this is possible because at the end of the age, everything that causes sin is going to burn. I want it to burn now. I'm going to reach for that. I'm going to extend myself for that. I'm going to petition the Lord. Lord, give me that grace in my now time. Don't make me wait to the end of the age. I don't want to to live my life battling sin all my life. I want you to eradicate it. I want you to draw it out so where I can grab a hold of it and say, take this and burn it up, Lord. 
Let it be chafed before the flame of your love. That's what that verse says to me. Did you hear that? When I said that verse, did all of that come into your mind? Search it out. Be good Bereans. Search out the scriptures. Don't listen to me. Don't take my word for it. Get into the word. It's good stuff here. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. I want to do that now. Don't you? Don't you want to shine for the glory of Jesus Christ? I mean, if you didn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't waste your Sundays here. And there are other things you could be doing. You could sleep in. Right? Having breakfast in bed. Must be something interesting on TV on Sunday mornings. Right? I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. But there's something you want. There's something you're after. And God knows it. He, he knows you want to shine like the sun for his glory. He knows that you want to express the love of Jesus Christ in the world that you live in, no matter how dark and painful it's been. He knows that you want to make that type of life connection so that you're radiating Jesus Christ because he radiated into your heart. He knows that. He's making that available to you. He says that's possible for you. You can shine like the sun in the kingdom of your father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He didn't say he who has ears to hear, wait it out. It's doable. So I want to unpack some of the distinctive elements of this parable uh, up against the parable of the sower that we looked at last week. First off, the sower last week was any person who had seed to sow. They heard the word, the word took fruit in them, uh, sprouted in their heart, produced seed. They have a testimony, they have a witness, and they begin to tell about Jesus. They have become sowers, any, any sower. A sower went out to sow. That's anybody who has seed to sow. In this parable, the sower is the son of man. Anyone know who that is? How do you know that? He calls himself that, right? Calls himself the son of man. Okay? So he's the sower in this parable. Second thing is the field last week was the hearts of people. Jesus explains that in his explanation of the soils. When the seed of the kingdom falls into the soil of the heart, and it's a stony place, it's a thorny place, Etc., etc. So the seed that's sown goes into the heart. In this parable, uh, the field is the world, the whole world. The seed last week was the word of the kingdom. This week, the seed is the sons of the kingdom. You see what happened in the transition? The word put on flesh. See, you're just like him. It's an incarnational transition. The word put on flesh. In other words, 
Christ in you, clothed himself with you so he could express himself out of you in terms that those who are stuck in the flesh would understand that God can speak through flesh and redeem you from the consequences of living in the flesh. The word becomes flesh in you. So let's jump off there for a few minutes. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The Greek word used here for seed is sperma. Get a couple of giggles out of that, right? Thank you. (laughs) I know, they were all choking it back at the first service, so I knew it was in there. It means that something sown, that is seed, including male sperm, by implication, it's offspring, specifically a remnant, figuratively, as if kept over for planting. In other words, it's seed that is developed to be put away for future planting, special seed, a remnant seed. Uh, now, I don't know if you know this, and I found out there's a, so far there's two locations where this is taking place in the world. There are underground vaults. When I say underground, I'm talking way underground. Vaults that store nothing but seed. Seed for every type of vegetation on the planet has been isolated and treated to be held in reserve. So if there's ever a worldwide catastrophic event where the world needs to be reseeded, there's sperma waiting to be accessed. There's somewhere in the U.S., and someone told me this morning, there's another vault in Greenland. So they could essentially reseed the whole face of planet Earth. They've taken this, this word of the Lord to heart. They have put away sperma. Somebody, probably somebody rich who plans on still being around, <laughs> is prepared something, okay? So stringing together what we know so far from last week, sparrow, and now this week, sperma, we begin to see the outline of a kingdom process of reproduction and reciprocity that looks something like this. Someone tells you about Jesus by either preaching the gospel or sharing their own personal experience and encountering him. That rhema word infiltrates the mind through the hearing of the word rhema. If that word finds its way into the heart of the hearer and germinates, and germinates, remember Jesus explained the different types of soil where the seed was cast, it it found a place to rest. Some of it didn't even sprout. It just got eaten up by the birds. Some of it sprouted, but it had no soil to get into. So the sun comes up and it gets fried. And some of it uh, began to take root and germinate, but it was surrounded by thorns, the cares of the world, and it got choked. But some of it germinated and took root in the heart, and they became fruitful. So if that, that seed of the word gets from the mind to the heart and germinates, takes root there, It then becomes the Logos word of God that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The seed of the word of the kingdom is called a spiro. This seed and the recipient is immediately provided with his own seed for sowing, his witness or testimony. 
But do you remember I gave you an assignment last week? Does anyone remember the scripture? Okay, that's the overall. It was a key scripture. What was it? Give that man a door prize. Matthew 25, 23. Okay, it says this. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, remember that word joy. It's going to pop up a little later on. Okay. As we are faithful with the little, the spiro, and it's little only in this sense. It's given to us. Just lands in our mind. Do you remember my testimony? I just prayed the prayer to shut the guy up. All right? Get me out of here. All right, yeah. Uh, okay, Jesus is Lord. See you. Got to go. All right? I didn't know that he had deposited a Spiro in my brain until 18 hours later it dropped into my heart and God revealed it. And something I did let it take root and it's grown ever since. Okay? So it's a small thing. It's nothing of me. It's all, all about him. Yeah, have this seed. Okay? If, if you're faithful, and I was faithful with that. As we are faithful with the little Spiro, the purposes of God in our lives begin to expand. And we go from being seed bearers to becoming the seed to be sown. Sown not by the whim or will of man or an organization or even by our own motivations or desire. Here we become the sperma of the Son of Man himself who sows us. Remember what the seed is in this parable? The sons of the kingdom are the seed he sows us into all the world. We become the seed he sows into all the earth, which since the cross and the power of the resurrection has become once again the garden of the Lord. We are replanting the garden of the Lord. So not only do we get to express the seed of the word of the kingdom, we also get to be the word of the kingdom, expressed by the king himself. Do you feel privileged yet? You should. In 1994, I went on my first missions trip to Liberia, West Africa, with an organization called Reach Out 2000. It was a short-term missions group with a goal of a certain number of souls coming into the kingdom by the year 2000, especially those in what are called unreached people groups. I became a short-term missions team leader for them, and between 1994 and the year 2000, when the organization dissolved, I went to and preached in 23 different nations and personally led over 220,000 souls to Christ. I planted six churches, instigated the move of the Holy Spirit in Mongolia that tripled the growth of the church there every month for the following three years. I preached to kings, to beggars, 
I saw blind eyes open, crushed bones restored to wholeness, deaf ears open, demons cast out, witch doctors and demon-oppressed bishops set free to serve God, and so much more that we don't have time for the telling. All of this was documented just as part of the uh, reporting practices of the organization. It wasn't like I kept a little checklist for myself. We had to give a report every trip because they had a goal. I became, as it were, a seed sown by the hand of the Lord over and over again into all the earth. As if I had been kept for years in reserve for planting, and it was some of the most personally rewarding time in all my walk with the Lord. But I want to say something to the young people here. I do have one regret. My regret is I didn't start doing this when I was 20-something and waited till I was 40-something. Don't get stuck in a pew. Don't even get stuck in church. Be the church. Put yourself in the hand of the Lord and let him scatter you. Listen, you'll have the rest of your life to sit here and to listen to someone like me babble at you. Get out there and be the church. Be seed planted in the hearts of men all over the world. Glorify your father in his kingdom. Don't waste your time here. Get trained, get packed, and get going. John? Too long in the lakes region. It's time for you to move on. And it'll be a good thing. An element that I don't want to overlook is the fact that there is a second sower in this parable and another crop being sown, only this time it's not seed but weed. The Greek word here for weed is dizenion. Dizenion. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's darnel or false grain or what we call tares. They look just like the wheat with two distinct differences. The first is they bear no fruit. And the second is this, and most likely how the servants recognized that tares had been sown. When the wind blows across a wheat field, all the wheat bends with the wind. Do you ever see that on film, like a time lapse, the wind blowing, all, all that wheat's kind of dancing like, like an ocean, you know, it's beautiful. Tares don't do that. Tears stand rigid, unbendable, unmovable, just rigid against the wind. They stand in the strength of their own rigidity. 
The one who sows these is the devil, the deceiver, the thief, the robber, the destroyer, who stands rigidly opposed to the purposes of God and counterfeits all that is good in order to destroy its value and impact on the souls of men. He produces seed after his own kind, rigid, fruitless weed. But when the wind of the Spirit is blowing, they cannot maintain their disguise because they are not of the Spirit and will not bend with his will. You will know them, Jesus said, by their fruit. You'll also know them by their ability to bend with the move of the Spirit. So I want to give you a biblical example of God sowing his seed and a couple of examples of tares in action and a proper response to their presence. Remember Jesus' command to his disciples in Acts 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the earth, right? So he says, you stay there. I'm going to blow the breath of my spirit into your lives. He's going to bring to life the seed of my word in you, and then I'm going to take you and scatter you into all the earth, right? And that's basically what he's saying. So essentially, Jesus wants to germinate and cultivate the seed of his word in his disciples so that they become seed-bearing and fruitful, so that he can scatter them throughout his field, which is the whole earth. And they start off really good. Day one, 3,000 souls, right? Awesome. This is working out really good, okay? From that point on, it talks about in the book of Acts, multitudes being saved daily and added to the church. You ever read that in the book of Acts? I mean, this stuff is really happening good, except as a problem. You know what the problem is? Comfort. Comfort. They got comfortable in Jerusalem. I mean, read the accolades. They gathered together, meeting in house to house, breaking bread with one another, you know, going to the temple and worshiping the Lord together, having favor with all men. Peter walks the streets, and his shadow is healing people. I mean, awesome. they've got deacons now, and they've got house churches here and there, and nobody's lacking anything. You know, if any poor is among them, they pool all their resources so that there are no poor among them. Everyone gets bread. Everyone gets clothing. Everything is really doing good, except they become comfortable in Jerusalem. They never branch out to Judea, Samaria, or to the ends of the earth. So what does God do? I want you to listen to this and take note of the language that is used here. Acts 8. And Saul approved of his, that Stephen's, execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church where... 
in Jerusalem. Do you know why? It's the only place they were. And they were all scattered. (laughs) Jesus comes along, picks them up. Where do they wind up? They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Exactly where he wanted them to go. Through obedience. They chose comfort over obedience. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Hmm? Those who were scattered started scattering, right? Those who were spermer took their sparrow and went right to work. They understood what was going on. We should have been here years ago. Hmm? Where were they scattered? Judea, Samaria, you see? God is scattering them into the fields he had called them into through obedience. I I want you to get this. It is always better to be sown through obedience than to be sown out of your comfort zone. Hmm? Be better for you, less painful for your families. (laughs) Obedience is better than what? Sacrifice, right? We are not called to be a comfortable church. Hate to disappoint you. We're called to be a going church church, a planting church, a sowing and growing church. And what do they do when they get scattered? Uh, And I love this. They begin to sow their seed, and it's fruitful immediately. Listen to this, Acts 8, 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. What's he doing? He's sowing the seed of the kingdom. He proclaimed to them Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him. The seed immediately begins to take root and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much, what? Joy. There it is, right? There was much joy in that city. Enter into the joy of your father's kingdom. So he goes down there. He's being faithful to scatter seed, and the demons are running out, and people are getting healed, and joy is bubbling up. The father is showing his grace to the obedience of the sons that have been sown into the world. Talk about fruit. There's more to the story and a lot more to this parable, but we'll take that up again next week. (laughs) For right now, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to today enliven dormant seed. Wants to enliven dormant seed. Oh, good. (laughs) What's that mean?
me give you a little example. In the gospel accounts, Jesus curses three cities in the Galilee. He curses them because although great miracles and signs and wonders had been done in them, they would not believe. They rejected the seed that was the word of the kingdom. One of these cities is a place called Chorazin. Matthew eleven twenty says, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. They didn't believe it. Hmm? Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you this, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. I visited uh, Chorazin in 1996. It's a small city built on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, constructed totally out of black basalt volcanic stone. It's interesting. It's an interesting city. Um, Chorazin's one claim to fame was the quality of the wheat that they grew there. There's a statement recorded by the Pharisees in their writings. It says that the wheat was so good that the high priest in Jerusalem proclaimed it of such superior quality as to be used as a first fruits offering to Yahweh in the temple of Jerusalem. The Romans prized it so much that they exported 90% of the crops of Chorazim back to Rome every year. That's how good this wheat was. In 135 AD, the city was destroyed in the second revolt of the Jews against Rome and pretty much vanished. During archaeological work at the site about 20 years ago, stored wheat seeds, sperma, stored in a jar sealed with wax and closed up, was discovered, a whole jar of sperma wheat seed. There is now Chorazim wheat growing again, being grown, harvested, and exported from the hills of Galilee because the seed that was dormant was brought back to life. What about you? Do you have dormant seed in you? Can you look at your life and say, yeah, I'm fruitful. I'm sowing seed out of my life with Christ. I'm impacting the lives of others, so they're becoming fruitful. Yeah, I'm fruitful. God can take me up and scatter me, and I'll land wherever I land, and and with joy, I'll serve him. I had this image earlier of the sixth day in the garden, and God's got his Play-Doh out. He's making this form in the ground. It kind of looks like him.
You know who this is? This is DirecTV. God can use anything he wants. Thank you. That was all. So he's forming this Play-Doh image of himself, you know. Got the head and puts his thumbs and make eyes and pumps his fingers up the nostrils. And it's just this lump of clay that's kind of shaped like God is shaped. Lying there, dormant dirt. God bends over and blows the breath of his spirit up the nostrils of dormant dirt. And that dormant dirt became a living soul. If there's a dormant seed in you, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead can bring life back to that seed in you, can make your life fruitful again, or maybe for the first time. But if you're here, if you're putting in the time week after week, if you're raising your hands in praise and worship, if you're opening your scriptures every day and reading his word and and just saying, Lord, change me, he's saying, okay, I'll do that. I'll breathe my breath into you and awaken my seed so that the glory that is mine becomes yours. And the life that you live is my life being lived through you. Or not. Or you can just live until the end and take a chance to see who plucks you up in the final harvest. Do you go to the barn or the bundle? Are you the seed or the weed? See, I can't tell. And every time the church tries to do a separation, we make a mess, right? We blow ourselves up. But I know this. When you're the seed, you know you're the seed. Because he's alive in you. And you can't fake that. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come like the wind of God. And and you've got an option. You can go with the flow, baby. Go with the flow. Become part of that image of life and, and just flexibility and allow the Spirit to move over you and bend with it. Or you can stand in your own strength and say, listen, I am who I am. I am what I am. You know, I'm doing okay. I don't need this. And be rigid. It's up to you. This is your call. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to blow in this room. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Blow across this field, this seed-filled field. Enliven in us Christ himself. Awaken 
our souls to the reality of your kingdom in us, of the glory given to us, of the potential abiding in us. Awaken the seed and release it out from us so that we can impact the world around us for the glory of a father who loved us enough to give us the fullness of his son. Planted like a seed and raised by the power of the Holy Spirit and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is seeking to raise up the seed in us today. Come, Holy Spirit. Blow with your breath into these earthen vessels and awaken the seed. Awaken the call. Bring fresh fire to us, O God, and burn away everything that causes sin so that the seed can rise up and take root in righteousness and produce praise in the earth that you are worthy of. Now, if the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart today and you'd like some prayer, myself and Martha will be up here. and Maybe, Tim, you could join us. I'd like to just pray with you and, and just ask the Lord to activate that seed, that he would germinate that seed in you so it could take root deep in your heart and you'd begin to be fruitful. It doesn't take a long time to be fruitful. Philip went down to Samaria. That's what it took. However long it took him to traverse from Jerusalem to Samaria, and he was fruitful immediately. You can be fruitful immediately when the seed bursts open and the life of Christ springs forth from you. You'll be fruitful. If that's what you want, come for prayer. Otherwise, you dismiss. The Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he just smother you with the grace of his love. Go in peace. Jesus' name.